Monday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with any of these products, it's all about educating yourself, and they have a staff that's absolutely dedicated to helping you live a better life. So don't hesitate to call with any questions you have, 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code Colby Show for 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend. The NBA All-Star Game took place. We've got uh, conference basketball tournaments and the NCAA tournament right around the corner, so we'll hit that a little bit later in the week. But it's also NFL draft evaluation time as we get closer to the NFL draft, so we're going to talk a lot of draft evaluation today. We're going to hit Ramondre Stevenson and Chuba Hubbard. We'll talk about Tylen Wallace and why he's evaluated lower than maybe some of the other receivers in his class, uh, as well as Zayvon Collins and what kind of prospect he is for this upcoming NFL draft. My guest is Thor Nystrom. Joining me is the lead college football and NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge. He is Thor Nystrom. You can find his content on Twitter at ThorKU. Thor, first and foremost, thank you for joining me. What's happening? I know you're super busy with draft coverage. Yeah, it's good to be with you, man. Uh, Super fun time of the year uh, for me, uh, just diving into all these guys deeper you know, guys that you've watched over the last three to four to five years and just getting an opportunity to sort of like, you know, you just sort of spent that time with them. And now it's like getting deeper, 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 um, you know, getting uncomfortably close to them. Um, it, and yeah, it's, it's just a super fun time of the year trying to parse them and uh, just think super close about them. It's, it's probably my favorite time of the year. So you're a Kansas guy, correct? I am. How does a Kansas guy become an, a football analyst? I mean, I, I thought that you guys were all supposed to have PhDs and hoops. Yeah, so I, I originally came from uh, Minnesota, but most of my family went to, to Kansas and was, was diehard Jayhawk fans. Uh, and so I ended up going that, that route. Um, but I've always been a college football guy. <laughs> and so I, of course, became a diehard uh, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas Jayhawks football fan. And I just so happened, it's, it's really weird because Kansas, Kansas, Kansas football sucked before I went there. Um, and they just so happened to be good while I was there. Um, that was like during the Mark Mangino time and Todd Reesing trage- and yeah, exactly. The trajectory basically lined up exactly when I was an undergrad to the point that my senior year, my fifth year, senior year, I, I took the, uh, the red shirt senior year, the, the victory lap as we call it. Uh, but that year was when they won the orange bowl over Virginia tech, a keep to leave it. You know, that, that whole, t- you, you mentioned, uh, yeah. recent, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chris Harris was on that team, you know, the, the whole thing. Uh, but you know, the, they beat, uh, uh, Virginia tech in the orange bowl. Um, in January, and actually the, the basketball team won the national championship in San Antonio that March. Uh, but anyway, that was my last uh, semester on campus. And then the next year, um, I believe Kansas started uh, 6-0 and and then lost their six last six games. And then Mangino got fired. And then promptly, they went into the tank. They've been awful ever <laughs> since. They t- hired Turner Gill after that. And it basically won, you know, between zero and three games every single season uh, since then. So they've, you know, they just, you know, sort of ooze back into the, the primordial whatever um, ever since then. So it's been tough, but um, I will always be a diehard uh, Kansas football fan. I don't care. So I, is, is Jeff it. Long like care. dialing your phone every day to get you back in Lawrence? I mean, for crying no, out loud. Not. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Jeff Long will be with the university. I, I would guess my over under is approximately like 20 and a half more days. Um, 
the sooner the better that he goes um, because it's it's he the, the issue with Jeff Long, of course, is the only reason that Les Miles is still there. The only reason he's there in the first place is because of Jeff Long. Um, their old pals going back back in the day. No one else is going to hire Les Miles. Um, no one will hire Les Miles again once he is deposed. Never should have been hired in the first place. Um, and and once once we get rid of Jeff Long, um, Les Miles will be gone uh, forever. So, yeah, it's it, that was really unfortunate. Um, I disagreed with the Jeff Long hire and I really disagreed with the, the Les Miles <laughs> hire. And both of them have been uh, disasters every bit as much as I thought and and probably tenfold beyond what I thought that they would be. Um, so this has been. I mean, like th- there's been a lot of dark days of of, of Kansas football um, in the, in that athletic department, and the era of those two has been even darker. And um, it's it's you don't want to say that the news that has come out about Les Miles is it, it, I mean it's awful, um, but the again the era of those two it, it never should have started. It needed to end, and I'm happy that in a you know that at least something is is coming out that is going to end the reign of those two. Good. Get them out. All right. Well, I, I, uh, I'm glad I was able to get you a little bit fired up to start this thing off. And, uh, <laughs> you, got, you got me all lathered up. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's jump into the NFL draft. And I, I, I love your content for those that, uh, that may be unaware of you at Thor KU on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow. Great NFL draft content, but, um, I, I want to just jump in with how difficult has this process been? Because I, I kind of look at, at just the landscape overall of draft coverage, and it just feels like everybody is all over the place, and there doesn't seem to be a, as much consistency as there normally is. And then, you know, it's just what a weird situation this year is as far as draft evaluation. Yeah, and that's that's not a surprise to me because the way that I look at it is, the most important thing that prospects turn into their future employer, the NFL, during this job job application process that is the NFL draft process is their final uh, season of tape, right? Their, their last season in, in college. And, you know, typically, um, you know, during the NFL draft process, um, that final season is unimpeached. You know, usually um, every prospect is turning in uh, double digit games from their final season. Um, this year, extremely few are. I mean, think about the amount of prospects in this class that had 10 or more games played in 2020. You have the the Alabama guys, the Clemson guys. I mean, there's very few BYU guys, um, but there's not. I mean, not even the Ohio State guys, you know, and then, of course, all the opt out guys. um, But even a lot of teams that played um, in 2020, you know, they, they didn't get to 10 games. Um, and so for, you know, these various reasons, you have guys that either have incomplete profiles um, from their final season or no profile at all, you know, whether it was injury or for the, you know, a, a lot of them, um, a partial opt out or a total opt out. Um, and so what that, you know, like we talk about projection as a thing um, in normal years, right? It's like, you know, watching the guys um, like watching the game, right? Like my mom can watch a game and be like, oh, you know, that guy's he's pretty good, right? Like anyone can watch him and be right. like, oh, you know, he's solid. But like the job of like watching the guy, like here is what he is in college in this system, you know, playing for this guy around these other guys. And now we're going to take him out of that 
and and we're going to put him in a much higher level of competition in an undelineated system, you know, because we don't know. We're just we're projecting all of this, you know, it, you know, around players that we don't know yet. Th- that's all the stuff you start to make. You have to make all these logical leaps. Right. And the less tape that you have, the more logical leaps that you have to make. Um, and so, for instance, with a guy like Trey Lance, 17 FCS starts, historically inexperienced for uh a top 10, top 15 prospect coming into the class, you have to make way more of these projectional logical leaps in getting there because you haven't seen it as much, right? Especially you haven't seen it as much recently. Um, and so like you, you just have to do that way more with these guys. And so to your, your, your point, why is there less, um, consistency within the industry, um, as far as specific players, as far as like, um, big boards and stuff like that. It's, um, I, I actually like that because it, it, um, you know, perhaps it, it shows that there's less sort of, um, you know, group think and, and people are doing their own work. Um, but, but, you know, in so doing, um, like in the projection process, um, you know, that we're all sort of following, um, the, the, the routes that you follow with that, like, I mean, some of these guys, you, you can, you can end up way off, right? Like with, with a guy like Trey Lance that, that has such an enormous band of outcomes, um, you're talking about a guy who, you know, in, in terms of a risk profile, he has one of the highest risk profiles of any quarterback that's come in in the last two decades. But in terms of ceiling, you could make a compelling argument that the only guy who has a higher ceiling in this class is Trevor Lawrence. And I, I made the case that Trevor Lawrence has the highest ceiling of any quarterback I've ever evaluated. So that's just one example, but there's numerous prospects like that. Micah Parsons didn't play last year. Gregory Rousseau didn't play last year. There's a million of them. So all those different guys, and then you think of all the different analysts doing this, and they have to do all that extra projection because we didn't see all these guys, um, and it just leads to all you know this this smorgasbord. And I think like when you think about that same process, because you're talking about with the NFL draft analysts doing that, you think about that same uh, process with all the area scouts doing that and, right. you know, all the um, decision makers doing that. And I think it's going to lead to the same thing in, you know, the war rooms. I, I think we're going to have an extremely unpredictable um, draft where you have uh, maybe guys going higher, lower um, than you would, you know, than you think. And, and it might be a more unpredictable uh, draft than, um, you know, than in recent years in terms of the way that the board ends up shaking out. Yeah, agreed completely. You know, I, I rewind a year ago, you mentioned two of the names, Micah Parsons and, and Rousseau. Those guys were, were top 10 picks in every way too early mock draft for 2021. And, uh, you know, they're kind of all over the place. But how do you, when you do like a ranking, how much weight is there for a guy that, either didn't play this year at all, or maybe like you said, in some instances played a handful of games. I think it's a case by case basis. Um, like it, it depends on, um, I mean, like if a guy, I I guess caught him, right? Like I'm not going to Nick, um, Micah Parsons for not playing because you're not (laughs) like I'm I'm projecting 2021 and beyond, right? Like 2020, it's like, that was Penn state's loss, right? Like, um, it's, you know, whatever. So like, um, you know, what, what would have cost Parsons in my opinion is if he had been caught by other linebacker prospects, that was his risk, 
right? But like, for instance, um, you know, Dylan Moses was, uh, you know, just a, a specific case. He was one of the prospects that, that maybe could have, and he was coming off of an injury. He decided to play and he had a poor season. He had a really poor season and he couldn't do it. And so Parsons, to me, um, he held on to his spot as, you know, off-ball linebacker one. Uh, very similarly for Rousseau, he got sort of lucky where, um, you know, he was this uber raw, um, but extremely talented and like very uniquely dimension. I mean, he, he's like this enormous um, edge prospect who played <laughs> like played like uh, safety or uh, wide receiver. And in, in, in he was a very strange prospect. And he's, he was a redshirt freshman, but he put up just these bazooka numbers at, at Miami. Um, but some of the, uh, you know, this, the, his, his one season of playing, but some, some of the production was smoke and mirrors, but it was a very impressive season. Um, would have been nice to see him do it uh, for a second season, but you know, of course he opted out, but again, for him, did anybody catch him? It's not a great edge class. I, I don't know that anybody did. Right. And so like, who are you, who are you going to put, put above him? Are you going to put a, you know, Quiddy pay, you're going to put uh, Basham above him. Like there's just not, um, you know, you look up and, and down the thing. Did, did anybody make that move up the board? Um, and so like, um, that's what I think about with that. Now there are cases I think where it did hurt a prospect. Um, I, one example I'll give you is Jamie Newman. I, I think Jamie Newman had a shot to at the very least lock himself into round two with a strong season at Georgia. I think he could have even made a case for, for round one. Um, and now people are just, they are poo pooing Jamie Newman like crazy. I don't really understand that. Um, he was a very talented, uh, dual threat guy who finished only behind Trevor Lawrence in terms of deep ball throwing and big time, uh, throws in 2019. Um, and then he transferred to Georgia, which was a very, very good fit for him. Um, and he could have done some real damage with George Pickens last year, but he opted out and, you know, he's a guy who's fallen a little bit. So again, it, it, it's, it's a case by case thing. And to me, um, you know, the way that I think it's more contextual with the guys around them, because you when you when you end up stacking the board, you end up comparing them to the guys that sort of, you know, f you know, are around them in tears. Right. Um, so, so that's the way that I think about it. But other people might be different, but that's the way that I, I do it. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a big reason why you talked about some defensive positions, uh, particularly. It doesn't feel like there are the. Quinnen Williams or Chase Youngs or Devin Whites of this draft, right? Like the guy that you just absolutely know with every beat of your heart is going to be a, a future Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, and and because of that, it kind of feels like the guys below them then, there's not a there's not a like starting reference point, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? Uh, yeah, as far as, I, I think that's well put. Yeah, I mean, like in the past couple of classes, we've had guys that are like, you know, these, these sort of like, you know, at least one, you know, defender that it's like, oh my God, you know, like that one guy where, I mean, you know, where you even would, you know, people are making the argument of like, oh, you know, should we take Chase Young over Joe Burrow? Should, should that <laughs> yeah. be a thing? Um, but like, yeah, I, I would agree with you in that this class, you know, n n no one's making the argument like, should, you know, someone take Pat Sertan over Trevor Lawrence like that. <laughs> right. We're not going to see that. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's talk about these quarterbacks uh, because, again, it kind of seems like a no-brainer. There was there was an NFL guy that uh, kind of shocked us all last week with some some quarterback uh, evaluations, but I mean, this is overthinking it. I think to go anything but Trevor Lawrence number one, right? For sure, yeah, um, yeah. And I I found some of those the the media reports about you know some teams have Zach Wilson over uh, Trevor Lawrence. I I find those funny to be honest with you. Um, you know, like, and, and I find some of those media reports in general to be funny, like just going to last, this happens every year, but remember last year when, uh, 
there was all the the media reports. Um, I, I think it was Matt Miller was was one of them that was reporting this. But uh, and Matt Miller is the one that, that did the uh, teams have Zach Wilson over or over Trevor Lawrence. But last year he was reporting that uh, the Dolphins. He swore that that the Dolphins loved um, Justin Herbert more than than Tua. He swore it over and over and over again for months leading up to the draft. They took Tua. Um, the the teams tell media people things not that are true but that they want them to report um, because it's their prerogative. Um, I don't like, I, I don't know how to explain this to people any better. You, you don't tell people things that are in your uh, best interest uh, for them to keep secret. Um, you know, you, so anyway, if, if you're hearing something um, that, that a team would, would, would rather have be kept secret, it's, it's not true. Um, and so like the, you know, if, if you're hearing that multiple teams have uh, Zach Wilson over over Trevor Lawrence, I, I'll tell you something. It's not the Jacksonville Jaguars and the, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team that matters. And any other team that is telling someone that they're just doing it to screw with the Jaguars or doing it for for some reason that has nothing to do with Zach Wilson or, or Trevor Lawrence, because it doesn't matter what their QB board is like. They're just they're just having fun. Like they, they get off the phone and snicker doesn't matter what their board is. They can't get to number one. Anyway, that's just an aside. Um, what was the question again? I just had to go on that rant. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, it, you, I mean, you, you basically answered it. Um, the Zach Wilson thing is interesting to me. I, I heard Chris Sims talk about him last week. And oh, right. like literally, yeah. as I'm hearing him describe Zach Wilson, I, I thought I got to go rewatch this because maybe not, not that he's not a first round talent because I believe he is. But I was just like, maybe I'm missing this I, to see. A guy like that being talked about as, you know, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen or better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, how do you evaluate Zach Wilson? What's your thoughts there? Yeah. So the thing I agree with, with, every, you know, with the, with his biggest, with the biggest Zach Wilson lovers is, uh, you know, he's very fun to watch and he did have the NFL throws. Like he, he, he's a very good thrower of the football and he's, he's very good throwing downfield etc. Um, I, I'm on board with that. And I, I do believe that and what he showed in that area did propel him to be a first round prospect. I agree with that. I would take, I'm going to rank him as a first rounder. I would take him in the first round. However, this is where we delineate. Um, those people believe that he is a surefire top three overall prospect, like no doubt about it. Right. And some of them think, you know, a top one or a top two and no doubt about it. Um, I strongly disagree with that. Um, and the reason is, is because, um, you know, I, I, I'm looking at the entire totality of everything Zach Wilson's done and the context in which he did it. And so, you know, for me, Zach Wilson went in as a freshman. He was solid. Wasn't great. He was solid as a, as a sophomore. He regressed, you know, people will say he was going through injuries. That's fine. He had 650 snaps though. And he was just mediocre. And then his last season as a junior, he was awesome. Yes, he was awesome but they played the number 89 SP plus schedule strength. They're there's out of, out of 127. The BYU schedule last year was an abomination. And it's not just that they played the number 89 uh, schedule strength and that includes in the bowl game, them playing UCF, which in the, in the schedule strength would be counted at full strength, but UCF, everyone opted out that game. Richie Grant opted out Robinson, their stud cornerback. He opted out. They were playing third strings, third stringers in, in their defensive backfield. 
Of course he, he, he ripped them up. So th- that's just, that, that's sort of the, 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 the simplified uh, version of this. Um, and then we can go more into the nitty gritty. Um, th- the way that Zach Wilson plays, um, it, it does not translate to the NFL that, um, and, and what I mean by that is they, ch- BYU changed their offense this season to a, uh, wide zone offense where, they run off of wide zone and then they do uh, play action. And and so that's similar to the NFL. But here's where we get into issues. What Zach Wilson likes to do is just chuck the ball deep off of uh, this concept. You you don't do that in the NFL because in the NFL off that concept, that's where you see the, the bootlegs and the throws over the middle. You know, of course, because that's where you get the spacing off of that. That You know, you, you do the play action off of that concept because that's what moves the linebackers and the safeties you know, hence you create the space in the middle of the field to, to layer those balls in. Um, Zach Wilson, he doesn't like to throw the ball over the middle of the field. Watch the tape, look at his uh, heat charts, you know, whatever you, you like to do. What what he wants to do is chuck the ball deep. He, he trusts the power of his arm way, way, way more than the touch of his arm. And so off of this concept, what he would always do is – he he would fake the handoff and then he'd turn his back to the defense. And then when he would turn back around, um, it would be, you know, pat the ball, pat the ball and he'd be waiting. And then he'd chuck the ball as far as he could down to Dax Milne, who inevitably would be one-on-one deep with a guy who is going to be a grad assistant at a uh, division three <laughs> football program in two or three years. Um, Dax Milne's coming down with that ball. He, he just is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Didn't necessarily need to be Zach Wilson throwing it either. Yeah. Um, Dax Milne had a, a PFF grade of over 90 last year. Um, it, now, this isn't to say that, you know, again, that Zach Wills is not a, a good quarterback or they weren't good throws. They 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 were. Um, but, you know, Dax Milne is a, is, is a legitimate day three prospect. He's going on day three. Um, Matt Bushman, his tight end, is a day three prospect. Um, furthermore, uh, Zach Wilson had a top 10 offensive line last year. Both in pass protection, that's by every metric you'll look at, every advanced metric you'll look at, um, with a day two, probably left tackle, and Brady Christensen. Um, Not only that, he had a really good running back who was top 10 in a lot of different um, metrics. BYU is also a top 10 um, team, you know, just as 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 a team. Um, And so, like, you know, you you, and 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 also, like, if you look at uh, Wilson's um, uh, if you look at his pressure rate. Um, he was only pressured on like 20% of his dropbacks, even though this is a guy who was just sitting in the pocket all the time, um, looking for these deep shots all the time, um, and was scrambling around like a madman, you know, like a Johnny Manziel type. And he was never touched at all. You know, even though he was doing these, these concepts that the NFL would tell you not to, you don't turn your back to the defense on, on these play action concepts where you're, you're, you're going to be waiting five seconds to throw the ball down the field. Like you just don't play that way. Um, and so it, Anyway, the point being is, could Zach Wilson adapt, um, you know, to to, you know, become more of, you know, a guy who off of these concepts instead throws, you know, more over the you know middle of the field. And, you know, he takes his deep shots off of more, you know, sort of regular concepts, whatever. Sure. Absolutely. You know, because does he have the arm to do the other stuff? Yes. Um, you know, so, you know, could he ad- adapt his game? Sure. Um, but this makes him risky. And, and what the other people never concede is that he's a very risky prospect. You know, they, they, they nitpick the hell out of, out of a guy like Justin Fields who has shredded awesome defenses over and over and over again in his career. Justin Fields last season, you know, everyone's like, Oh, he sits in the pocket too long. Like last year, Justin Fields, he played like eight games. Like 
six of them were against top 15 defenses, and he's, he's just destroying them all. And Zach Wilson's playing like North Texas and South Alabama, and you know, it like it, it, it's just hilarious to me. The other thing is, is Zach Wilson is extremely skinny. He and again, he plays like a madman, right? And he's furthermore, if if you want to talk about the top four prospects, he is clearly the least athletic. Furthermore. Um, he might have the weakest arm of the four. Um, if not, he is tied with uh, Fields. Um, because he, to me, he and Fields are very close in terms of arm strength. Very, very, I mean, like, very close. Um, Lance is stronger than the two. And Lawrence has one of the strongest effing arms I've ever seen. I mean, Lawrence is like, he's 6'6", six, six, has 10-inch <laughs> hands. And he, 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 like, throws like Araldus Chapman throws, you know, where it's like, yeah. he's, like, huge. But he also, like, he can do the thing where it's like, all the way, you know, it's like the full shoulder, like, like, I feel like someone needs to look at his shoulder cause he can do like the, the full over the top thing. Um, but like he could anyway. Um, so th- for me, it, <laughs> what's funny for me, the difference between me and the Zach, it, it's not one thing for me. It's, it's numerous things with, with the Zach Wilson thing. Um, but again, for me, Wilson does, he has the throws, he has the arm, right. And he has the, the moxie stuff. And so on those two things, yes, um, he is worth a first round pick. I sure. Um, but for me, that makes him, you know, he's going to be, he, he is quarterback four for me. Um, he's more of a mid first round pick. Um, I, you know, if I needed a quarterback, I would pick him there, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and try, right. And, and try to, you know, teach the other things to him and, and just sort of hope. Um, but the, you know, I mean, Trey Lance has a much higher ceiling than him. Um, and I mean, Lance's bus profile is higher, but you know, again, for me, uh, Wilson's bus profile is higher than, 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 than people think like, you know, t- to me, like, um, Wilson could absolutely become a guy like Mitch Trubisky. Um, and, and yeah, and then the other two guys at the top of the class, uh, you know, I mean, their, their ceilings are higher and their, their, their floors are much higher. So that's where I'm at with Wilson. Agreed. Uh, let's talk running backs. You put your running backs, running back rankings out last week. Um, a guy that that we've watched here in Oklahoma, Ramondre Stevenson, made your top yeah. five. Um, Love that. You know the, the Chuba Hubbard story is also extremely interesting. So, kind of give me the give me your your thoughts on on those two prospects. Sure. Um, let me start uh, just to ingratiate myself to the audience with Ramondre. Uh, they might not <laughs> like me so much after I talk about Chuba Hubbard, um, but I love Ramondre Stevenson. I I may be the highest guy in in the industry on on Ramondre Stevenson. I I'm actually surprised that more people don't like Ramondre Stevenson. I I'm not sure if more people are going to jump on board later on or uh, where exactly um, the disconnect is but when i watch Ramondre, he's a stud and i you know again I'm, I'm not sure what i'm missing with with other people um i i tried to think about that you know like when i put my 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 thing out like why are other people um lower on him because to me the tape is 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 fairly emphatic um that you know that i'm i'm, I'm looking at a, a stud i i compare him to eddie lacy i mean like you just look at like lacy at alabama it to me it looks it looks fairly similar um you know, Stevenson, he is, he's facing a couple perceptual things. You know, number one, he had the suspension. Uh, number two, he, he came in late to the FBS because of his academic issues coming out of high school. And I think because of that, you know, people give him the red flag uh, designator. And I think like people that are lazy at this, they, they're sort of like a one size fits all with their red flags. Right. And then, you know, with Stevenson as well, 
he just, you know, he's a big back. And I think people also just in their head, they just give him the speed red flag. And so I think with people there, it's like red flag, red flag. Right. And, and there's an inability to sort of get beyond that. And I think with perhaps they don't even watch him beyond that. And they just give him a red flag on receiving without having watched him, without even looking at his stats, perhaps. And they just disqualify him. Maybe that maybe that's what it is. But he, okay, so so here's his, you know, as, as, as far as the 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 the, the character stuff, um, as far as academic stuff, that's not a red flag going to the NFL. First of all, as far as the the drug stuff, he failed a marijuana test. Um, you know, as as I write in my column, uh, I think it's it, it's either 45 or 46 states at this point have have marijuana, uh, you know, legalization legislation on the books. His his uh, uh, JUCO coach said he never failed a test in in two years at school there um, and said, it, you know, that he loved Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson was like an awesome human being, was one of his favorite players in 20 years uh, coaching there. Um, in 2018, Ramond, Ramondre Stevenson had one of the best uh, JUCO seasons of the last decade. It's like comparable to only Alvin Kamara at the JUCO level, like in the last decade. Um, and so, so the JUCO coach just goes like absolutely nuts about this guy. And it's like, we had no problems with him. He never, you know, we test weekly for drugs. He never had any issue. It's, you know, and the, the guy was basically like, it's just marijuana. Like he, he, he made an isolated and like, come on, you know, and he's embarrassed about it, but like, come on. Um, and I'm more or less on, on the same page. I mean, like the NBA doesn't test for marijuana anymore. The the NFL has changed their their rules so that it takes a third uh, test at this point to get suspended. And very soon, I think the NFL is going to change that. So there's no more suspensions for marijuana, which is what it should be in the first place. So I don't consider that much of a red flag um, unless you want to say, oh, it's a it's a judgment thing. But really, it's a draconian rule. So at best. That is a very, very, very mini red flag. Um, as far as the speed thing, um, he's faster than Najee Harris. So if 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 you're not going to you know put an enormous red flag on Najee Harris for the speed thing, um, you better shrink that one on on Ramondre or shut up. Um, and as far as the the receiving thing, you know who averaged more than a, a yard and a half per catch than Chuba effing Hubbard in college. Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson only had 150 less receiving yards in his entire college career than Chuba Hubbard. Think about that. Think about these people out there writing in their scouting report. Ramondre Stevenson can't catch. It's like Ramondre Stevenson barely played and he almost had as many receiving <laughs> yards at college as Chuba Hubbard. What the F are you talking about? Like, I'm not sure if it's that you didn't watch him play or if it's that you, you couldn't even type his name into Google and look up his stats, but uh, you got you gotta you gotta rewrite your, your scouting report. Anyway, that that one is an absurd thing. So that one isn't a red flag at all. So I've just knocked down all three of his his red flags or or shrunk them. Um, and you look at the rest of it again, you have, you have an Eddie Lacy type runner. Um, the, the only thing we have left now is we need to see what he tests. Um, he went to the senior bowl and he, 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 came, I mean, he, he came in like slim, he came in, you know, looking really good. I mean, he, in, in college, he, you know, his last season, I think he, he was 242 and he was moving around real good. Um, and then he came to the senior bowl and he had, he had slimmed down like to two, it was like 220. Hold on. What was it? Or 232 or 228, something like that. Um, and, you know, he's moving around fine. He didn't have the greatest senior bowl week, which might hurt him a little bit in terms of perception as well. But he was at a new weight. And people need to understand, like, 
Rabondre cut like 15 pounds for those guys in like, like, like three weeks after the, the, uh, uh, his bowl game, like, um, which, uh, isn't talked about much. This kid works his ass off. Like that's like UFC type stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, this kid wants it. Like he may have, he may have struggled a little bit at, at the senior bowl week, but like he trained for that thing, like a UFC fighter cutting weight. I mean, he, he, he wants it. Um, I'm going to be very curious at, at, at Oklahoma's pro day, his, his 40 time and his change of direction times in, in, in those tests. Um, if he runs well and people don't move him into their top five or six running backs, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's all there. So that's my take on Ramondre. What do people in Oklahoma think about this? Cause I'm, again, I'm, I'm stunned. Like when I look around, like, I, I, you know, I see people that have Ramondre Stevenson outside of their top 10, like yeah. consensus around yeah. the industry. He's outside of the top 10. I see him behind like some running backs that I think will struggle to hang into committees. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, he was like, when he first got playing time, you have to remember at that point, it was Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon at OU. So it, it was, I think initially he it was just kind of like, a, right why the, the hell is this guy getting an opportunity? We already have this crowded backfield. And, and it didn't take very long to say like, holy cow, this guy's as good. And I think that the, the majority of the fan base, I think is split between, those three guys two years ago, you know, when Sermon left, there was a portion of the fan base that thought you were losing the best running back. And then certainly with Kennedy Brooks and Ramondre Stevenson, I think the rest of the fan base was split with those guys. Ramondre Stevenson, I think of the three certainly flashes more than the other two. Uh, you know, Kennedy Brooks to me might've been the most consistent of the three, but he probably falls under that umbrella of not anything necessarily impressive about him. He doesn't just wow you with speed or, or size or power or anything like that, but he's just consistently good. Ramondre Stevenson consistently, I thought, had those wow moments. And uh, yeah, I, th I think Sooner fans, you, you saw it a year ago when the suspension was over and he came back to the offense. The offense and Spencer Rattler, for that matter, were completely different. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean like the, the Florida game, um, down the stretch, I mean, not, yeah. it's not just the Florida game, but down the stretch, I mean, just some of the runs he has, he, he had a few runs where it, it was almost like the runs that the runs that he completed are almost physical impossibilities and he makes it look easy. Cause he's, he's one of those guys who has, usually you, you see offensive linemen like this, but it's like a prospect who has such power that like guys, I, I wrote this in my scouting report of him, but like guys touch him. And it's like a dog getting too close to an electric fence. They just get zapped, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so like you, you see all these guys get close to them and they just melt off of them, y you know, like his broken tackle numbers, yeah. I think at the NFL are just going to be ridiculous. It's, it's not just that he shucks guys off of them. Like sometimes it's more subtle than that where it, again, like they get on them and they just, it, he just, they melt off of them or they get zapped off of them, you know? Yeah. And I think that's because of the speed. I think I think most defenders underrate his speed or under undervalue his speed. And next thing you know, he's he's on you. And I, I think it, it catches defenders by a, you know somewhat by a surprise. I would agree with that too. Yeah, because there's that too where you, you, there's you know both because of the way he looks and the perception that he's more of a plotter. Yeah. The other, it, it's not just the power. It's that um, the other thing he has going for him is that he descends upon you quicker then your brain thinks he is. And so the other added thing that he has going for him is he presents more off angles um, because of it, because, because he gets on top of you uh, quicker, right? And so there's less opportunities to square him up because of that. Yeah.
right? And so he's going to, yeah, just force more sort of off-angle attempts and arm tackle attempts uh, because of that, which just plays into the strength even more. Agreed. Yeah. Give me your thoughts on Chuba, because uh, this was a guy that, you know, had the 2,000-yard season a year ago, uh, obviously coming back, didn't go very well for him, and now he looks like a probably late-round pick. Yeah, I I think everyone struggles a little bit with Chuba, um, and 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 struggles to you know sort of conceive of of what he could be because the the 2019 season and 2020 season are so disparate, and you you try to drive them together in your head, um, it, and it's like you know is he 2019 Chuba is he 2020 Chuba, and I think most people end up splitting the baby somewhere in between. Um, and I think everyone just assumes that their read on Chuba is, is going to be wrong one, one way or the other. Um, I ended up ranking him, I, I think, RB11, and I, I think I, I comped him to Tevin Coleman was the closest that I could get. Um, but, you know, for me, like, I just think, like, he has to find uh, – I mean, he's obviously the most effective when – he's in space, right? It's sort of like a, a, a Coleman thing where the, the things that remind me of, of, you know, each other is like, he's like an upright uh, sprinter guy who he needs sort of a runway in front of him, And he, he plays really good in space. And so like, you know, the more of it he gets and the more yeah. runways that are in front of him, um, I mean, he can pile up yards really quickly, right? Because, um, I mean, like, you know, he, he is going to get those explosive runs if you put that runway in front of him because it's, it's really hard for people to catch him once he gets that that head of steam. But once those um, those runways go away, um, he's really easy to um, bottle up because on a run he can make one guy miss. You know, he's got like that little jump cut. Um, but outside of that. I mean, he ain't Barry Sanders, you know, I mean, like, you know, again, like he, he runs tall and he basically runs with no power, right? Like you can get him down pretty easy. And so, you know, outside of perhaps making one guy miss, I mean, it's, it's a straight line proposition. And so like in um, 2020, we thought Oklahoma state's offense was going to be really good, you know, with Wallace coming back and when she was coming back, but like it wasn't, you know, the offensive line was, was poor and it, it played way down. And uh, Chuba did not have those lanes. And then he got um, nicked up besides. And it was like, um, not only was the, the, the was the spacing not there and w- there was more penetration, um, but also he looked less explosive. And a less explosive Chuba, it's like a fastball pitcher that loses like three, four miles per hour off their fastball. Um, it, it wasn't good, right? Rick Vaughn and, in Major League Two. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was an a, a, a enormous issue. Um, and so, like, you know, all of a sudden Chuba's averaging, you know, whatever it was, four and a half yards per carry or whatever. And and then he opted out. Um, and the other issue, you know, I was I, well, there's a couple of different issues. Th- so that's him as a runner. You know, again, like he can provide just enormous explosive plays, but they're they're in this very specific context, um, you know, that that requires the you know help of his teammates and and a very specific scheme. But the other thing is, to this point, he is not a good receiver. You know, he's just like a dump off guy. You know, get him in space off of screens. Um, but like in college, he did not provide really anything off of like Ramondre Stevenson to this point is, is a better receiver than he is. You know, as I just mentioned, a lot of guys in this class are. And the other thing is Chuba fumbles a lot. He's, he's not reliable. Um, like he fumbles a lot. And so like, there's, there's a lot of issues there um, for a very specific kind of offense. 
um, you know, a wide open type passing offense, um, you know, where, you know, that, that, that sort of spreads their offensive linemen, you can give him some space. Um, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I, I would like to have maybe, you know, fifth, sixth round. Um, but that's a, you know, it's a, again, it's a very specific kind of team, you know, for right. that kind of a team, I'd, I'd be looking for him for other kind of teams. No, if, if, if I had a different kind of team that did, that had a more traditional kind of NFL offense, I would not be looking Chuba Hubbard's way at all, because I, I think you're going to waste his only skill. Um, and, and he's just essentially going to be a wasted, um, you know, sort of, uh, asset. You have your wide receiver rankings coming out tomorrow without giving away the order or anything like that. Let's just stay in, in Stillwater and, and go with Tylen Wallace. I have Oklahoma State fans asking me almost every day, why isn't Tylen Wallace considered a first or, or even high second round pick? Why isn't he higher on a lot of these wide receiver rankings? What's your answer to that? How do you, how do you view Tylen Wallace? I do think he's underrated. Yeah, I, I, I do think he's – and he's – He's always kind of been underrated. The one surprising part about that to me is um, people have always considered him slower than he actually is. And I'm actually not sure why that is. Um, he, does, he doesn't look fast. I mean, when you just watch like real-time speed, he just doesn't look as fast as maybe some other guys, right? It just doesn't. And I think there's also a situation where we don't see him get the ball in his hands often to like run away from defenders where maybe you get a lot of other guys with that opportunity. I don't know. I'm with you. It, it, the speed, I don't think, is displayed very well when you watch him play. Yeah. He has cooked guys downfield, though. Um, you know, and then, you know, some of the testing numbers we've seen have, have you know, typically been pretty good from him. Um, but, you know, I, I agree in terms of, um, you know, he's always made plays. The, the productivity has been been ridiculous. The, I guess the thing that I'd say to Oklahoma uh, State fans is, um, you know, as you guys know, there's there's been an issue with um, translation to the NFL from that offense, both uh, with with yours and famously from Baylor's in particular. Um, and so there's you know, there's some trepidation um, from that, you know, in, in, in terms of translation. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a part of it. Um, obviously there's, there's some durability issues with, with Thailand as well. Um, you know, and then you're, you know, you're talking about like a, a, a six foot, um, you know, what is he? 185 or so, um, receiver who there's whether they're warranted or not some, some, some speed questions with. Um, and so like, you know, he, there are some, you know, some, some questions there. Um, he did have some drop issues earlier in his career. Um, there, you know, I, I think there's some questions too about, um, you know, in the NFL when he's up against press corners, like how is he going to deal with that as well? Um, but I don't, I like Thailand, man. I've always thought Thailand was underrated, to be honest with you. I, I would imagine that I have Thailand higher than other folks. Uh, but I will also concede that I have been um, seduced by uh, Big 12 receivers in this system before <laughs> uh, way too many times. So it's like, you know, it's like the the, the, the crazy girl that you yeah. like uh, have a type for and you get burned over and over again. Yep. You're like, I don't care. I'm getting burned again. Um, that's probably like me with Thailand. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I in just fairness, really this like, is an incredibly gifted receiver class. It is. It is. No, I mean, it is. It is for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I would say. Okay, so the things that I like about Thailand, like, um, you know, a lot of receivers that come out of that, like, you know, for instance, like Corey Coleman, Corey Coleman did not run a lot of routes at all. Like, you know, and that's like you were with Corey Coleman. It was just like, oh, you know, he moved so well and he's so explosive and he's so athletic. So, you know, he did all these good things. And he made all these plays with the ball. So, you know, once he gets to the NFL, it's going to be super easy to teach him all these routes because he moved so well. 
so it, it'll be easy because he can already do the footwork. Um, well, it wasn't easy. Tylen already runs pretty good routes. He already has a good understanding for it, yeah. and he can already he can already move well. And I've already seen him run the routes, um, so I like that about him. Um, and I also like that he's very quick. Um, you can, you know, w- whether you believe his exos time um, or you know whether you want to nitpick the speed or not, um, short area quickness is a very good way for receivers who lack at, who lack four three speed uh, to mitigate that in one on one matchups with uh, faster cornerbacks like. Um, uh, Jamar Chase is, is one good example of this um, where he can beat uh, faster cornerbacks in terms of getting downfield because he has great burst, right? And so he can win sort of like the first 10 yards of an interaction, um, which is really nice, you know, in terms of getting downfield, stuff like that. Um, Tylen can win early on in interactions um, and stuff like that. Um, he's also pretty good in contested situations despite his size, which um, helps quite a bit. So, um, he just says a lot of stuff like that. And then obviously having done it for a long time, um, it's like, you know, like with, you know, having done it for a long time, but also um, the production over, um, you know, years. It's like um, we talk about this typically with like quarterbacks coming out of like Mike Leach systems or, you know, who have done it over multiple years. But like, you know, the amount of, um, you know, live you know, targets, like the amount of snaps, the amount of throws that they've had over, over their career. But like, you know, the, the same goes for, um, you know, receivers who have like, you know, run X number of routes and, and caught X number of balls and, and, and done it over X amount of time, seen, you know, X number of coverages and, you know, had to deal with X number of stuff like, um, you know, Thailand's seen zone this many times, he's, you know, you know, cover two, cover three, you know, and he's seen, you know, man coverage as many times, you know, et cetera. Um, he, he's a very smart receiver. He's a pretty crafty receiver too. Um, it, he seems like a guy who's going to figure it out, um, in the NFL, he's figured it out to this point, you know, so I, I, I would agree with Oklahoma state fans. I, I, I think that he's, he's being slept on a little bit. We're going to get you out of here in just a second. I just a quick, uh, quick impression that you have on Ronnie Perkins and Zaven Collins. Yeah, I like, I like Perkins too. Uh, Perkins is a guy who's, uh, as you know, he's going to have to answer some questions about the, the off field too. Um, he's, he's going to have to answer those questions on his own. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a very talented player, um, as well. Collins is the, is the guy that, uh, I prefer to talk about cause, um, that guy's an effing freak. Uh, he's, uh, that guy's like a cyborg, like a killing machine. I like watching him. Um, is just fun. Um, like, uh, he's like, um, yeah, just like a, sort of like a cyborg, you know, he's like uh, watching him was sort of it reminded me of kind of like uh, remember Urlacher back in the day at uh, uh, New Mexico yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it, it was just like seeing like uh, um, it was like seeing this different kind of freak on the field where it's like he's he he shouldn't be that big. He shouldn't be that fast. And he just plays effing nasty. So and then athletic. he's like. Yeah, and he's he's coming from all these different angles. And I mean, like, like they could have played him like anywhere, right? Yeah. Like you can play him on the edge. You can play him at off ball linebacker. Um, they, they could have rushed him. I mean, they could have rushed him from inside if they wanted to. I mean, they, they could have done so many different, um, things with him. Um, like, I mean, truly like, a, you know, I mean, in college, he truly like a chess piece, um, kind of a thing, but he's like a, like in, in, in the vein of sort of like a, a battleship type piece, you know, I mean, just like, a ridiculous player. And, um, you know, we were talking about Oklahoma state, you know, and their, how their offense kind of played down this year. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember back in going back to September, yep. um, 
you know, watch, watching that Tulsa-Oklahoma State game, I was stunned watching that game because I thought, you know, coming into this, and I was so excited, it's college football's back, college football's back. <laughs> um, and, and watching Oklahoma State, I was, like, super pumped because it's like, oh, my gosh, I get to watch Chuba and I get to watch, you know, Tylen Wallace, and they're going to F up Tulsa. Like, this yeah. is going to be fun. Um, and Tulsa just punched them in the mouth over and over and over again for, for four quarters, like, that was a stunner for me. And and you're seeing, I mean, everyone from Tulsa was just flying over the field, but uh, Zayvon Collins was, uh, I mean, like they were not having fun with him. Um, and then he did it obviously for the whole season. Um, I mean, what, what a fun player and thinking about him to um, the NFL, like you're probably going to put him at uh, up all linebacker, but um, you know, he could play edge. You could do, all sorts of things with him. Again, he's just like a, I just think like seek and destroy Yeah. with like Zayvon Collins. He, he just, he's just a seek and destroy kind of like athlete, like warrior kind of a guy, you know, he's just like a missile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think the Tulsa thing probably prevents him from, from being higher. Uh, if he were like a Clemson guy, uh, yep. I remember a year ago, the versatility just won everybody over. And, and I just, I wonder if, you know, he had that OU on the side of his helmet or something like that, if he's viewed differently, but I mean, he's still a first round pick most, most likely. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Or if he went to Alabama, you know, if we're, if we're, yeah, if, if he's talked about as a top 10 pick it, 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 it I agree, man, it, it, it might be different. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, for me, the, the tape speaks for it, itself on that, on that guy. And certainly anyone that watched him last year and the awards that he racked up, it all speaks for itself. And, you know, again, like when he played top competition, um, top competition, I mean, ask Oklahoma state, ask, uh, you know, ask the offensive lineman on, on Oklahoma state, ask, ask Chuba, um, ask those guys about Zayvon Collins. They played all the top competition. Um, ask them who the best defender they played last year as, um, yeah, I, for, for me, Zayvon, you know, and, and we talked before about how there's, there's very few elite, you know, elite in terms of like, uh, Chase Young, yeah, they, uh, kind they can't of guys, miss like, guys. Yeah. Yeah, like Zayvon Collins, you know, when you're talking about short list of the best defenders in this, Zayvon Collins is right up there. And when we look back, um, you know, in, you know, 10 years on this class, uh, it would not surprise me if, if Zayvon Collins is, you know, top three defenders from this class, and he might be number one. Um, because the the you talk about like the combination of athletic traits in that body um, with just that seek and destroy killer uh, instinct and attitude. Um, that's rare. That's rare. And so it's and, and, and you put that in conjunction with the, the scheme versatility, like th- that's just a guy that NFL coaches are just going to have all sorts of fun with. No doubt, no doubt. Thor, I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully we can do this again before the draft, but uh, love your content. For those that uh, don't follow, at ThorKU on Twitter. He is the lead college football and NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge. Once again, thanks for your time, man. Dude, that was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with any of these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call, 
458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code Colby Show for 15% off your online order. They have a drive-through, so it's easy and safe pickup. Very efficient. Order online, save money, pick it up efficiently. Abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe, and I'll see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.